We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always I'm joined by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz, one of the co-hosts of the Stadium Bananas podcast, along with Ben Gretsch. Sean, we're heading towards week five, it is a bit miscued, we used to have a quarter point of the season and we used to be able to say different stages, now with the extra week it's kind of messed things up a bit, but it's hard to believe we're at week five, but it feels like we're at a point now where some of the evidence, some of the data that would we be having over the first four weeks is you know stuff that we can really rely on here as we move forward. So looking forward to talking about what happened so far this season, what we think will happen the rest of the way, and uh, looking into some of the uh, backfields and zero RB candidates for the rest of the season. So it should be a fun one, but it's uh, it's kind of hard to believe already we're, we're heading towards week five. Well, the first month has been a lot of fun. So we look forward to what's going to happen next. And this season has offered a lot for everybody. Now, you can certainly be in an unfortunate situation where you did get one of those early picks and you're looking at Christian McCaffrey being out torpedoing that portion of the season. Uh, Drafters who selected Dalvin Cook are a little bit in the same boat. Misses week three, uh, doesn't do a whole lot in week four. And so some of those early picks that we thought were going to be so golden uh, haven't performed. But we again are getting that strong play from draft slots in the middle with guys like Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott performing well over the last couple of weeks. And then a lot for the wide receiver drafters, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, especially there in week four with the huge performance really setting you up nicely. Uh, Travis Kelsey drafters, Darren Waller drafters have to be pretty happy with where they're at and the advantage that they have over teams who don't have a tight end 
but there were a lot of late tight end scores this last week as well. And then we know that wide receivers are again, putting up huge points and zero RB candidates like Cordero Patterson, but he's only one of many. Colin, we'll talk a little bit more about that today, specifically looking at some running backs from the NFC. This is my portion of the zero RB watch list this week as I share that column on the site with Blair. Uh, There were a lot of developments in week four that I think have implications as we do go on to this next segment of the NFL season. Yeah, the first one, Sean, and usually for the listeners before we start recording, we usually say, We'll look at these couple of teams. These are the ones we're very interested in. We haven't done that this week, so it's going to be fun to see what direction it goes in. But one, Sean, that I think that we can't really bypass without talking about is the situation um, you know, with Alvin Kamara and how the, the Saints used him this past week. He did lead the NFL in week four in rush attempts, 26 rush attempts, did get his 120 yards on the ground. First time in his uh, career that he didn't receive a single target. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things we can say that you should do with Alan Kamara. You should get him as many touches as possible. You should ideally get him 26 touches a game if you can. I would like to see that be more of a, you know, 11 target, uh, you know, 16 kind of rush attempts per game. I was astonished, especially in a game where they needed to score points, um, that he was not involved at all in the passing game. I'm sure you were equally as a surprise for that. Well, this is kind of an odd situation. Now, Tony Jones gets injured in this game. They don't really have anything behind him. And so if you're going to have these running back plays or these running back carries, then, you know, it only makes sense for them to go through Kamara, who gives you such dynamism. And we saw that throughout this game, even though the Giants were looking for this as the play call, he still sliced through their defense, you know, gets the 120 yards, and if he scores a touchdown in this game, then it's a little bit less of a concern. One of the things you can do here is kind of contrast his performance with Ezekiel Elliott's performance. And I mean, you could almost make the case that Elliott's situation is even more concerning, but it doesn't feel that way, right? Because he scored a touchdown. Now, it'll be interesting to see how these two teams break out because with the Cowboys, we have a situation where they're going to score a lot of touchdowns but there are so many potential guys. We talked on the first show of the week at how really everybody participated in the scoring last week, except for our guys, C.D. Lamb and Tony Pollard. And so you look at those situations and you look at Pollard, say, as someone who rushed for over 100 yards in week two, looked more explosive than Ezekiel Elliott, has sort of this hybrid profile. But Elliott and Pollard don't end up getting very involved in the receiving game this week. Elliott still you feel good about because he scored. So it's a matter of, okay, excited about the Cowboys because they're going to score so many touchdowns and you would expect the running back to get some of those or are you a little bit worried about the fact that you know next week he could be the guy who's out whereas the Saints are going to score fewer touchdowns but it would seemingly be Alvin Kamara who gets those key touches when they are down there one of the other complicating factors in this backfield is simply the fact that Jameis Winston has looked bad The receivers have not emerged. Marquez Callaway has made a a handful of very nice plays over the last couple of weeks, but he has not emerged as the kind of volume receiver that you can build your offense around, that you can consistently move the ball. And then Deontay Harris, kind of the other guy, they just, they desperately need Michael Thomas to come back. We know that's not going to happen for a while yet. They could really use Traquan Smith. I'm not sure what the situation is with him. 
And without any sort of receiving presence, and with Jameis Winston really struggling back there, they've gone to Taysom Hill in a lot of these short yardage and red zone situations. And that kind of takes us back to where we were during that stretch last year when Drew Brees was out and things looked pretty apocalyptic for Kamara. So if you're going to lose the targets and you're going to lose some of these carries because Taysom Hill is such a fantastic rusher. And one of the things that's kind of interesting, you pull up the advanced stats tool, you include quarterbacks in the rushing numbers and you see he had a 100% evasion rate, right? So this is a guy who on his touches was able to create a missed tackle or a broken tackle uh, for every single carry. Now, some of them, you know, he's going to have more than one on that individual carry, but I mean, that's a, a crazy number. If you're in, uh, if you're a running back and you're in that like 25 to 30% range, that means that you are just tossing tacklers aside like ragdolls or, you know, making these Barry Sanders types of moves to make guys miss. Now, obviously if you have just a handful of touches in a game here, I mean, that's going to be a little bit different story, but it still speaks to the fact that even in a small sample, and we know that it's not sustainable or anything like that, we're not saying he's going to have a 100% evasion rate, but Taysom Hill is, you know, this very dynamic ball carry. I mean, really with, with Jones out, especially then now you're looking at him as the sort of other running back in this offense. Well, if he's also the guy who in some of those situations is the quarterback, you know, you're not going to get those dump off passing plays. We're really looking at a very potentially negative situation here with Kamara. Yeah, no, I thought it was very, very concerning. And you mentioned Taysom Hill, and I think that there's a very, very valid point. Both his rushing touchdowns were, were quite impressive, but um, I, I just think that they're not using – uh kamara especially when you're missing somebody like M michael thomas you're not using your best weapon um you know in, in the most positive way and i'm not arguing that he's like you know we know he's a dynamic runner um looks fantastic this is kamara i'm talking about but the the problem in this game was the saints never really had it fully in control i know they had a lead in the fourth quarter but they needed to put up points whereas you know on the flip side with the zika elliott i did mention on the show earlier this week that um, it was just 22 pass attempts for for Dak, so there wasn't going to be much attempts going to the running backs, and we talked about Lamb as well. But, you know, this was a game where the Saints really should have been trying to get some of those completions to Kamara out in space. And I, I know that they're going to have to run the ball with him, but, you know, maybe on one, two, three, four, five of those 26 carries, they, they may have been able to, you know, get him out in space and screen pass or something like that but we'll see how it goes going forward my biggest concern and you touched on it there is in around the goal line we have seen Jameis in the past rush ones in and we know that Taysom can as well so a little bit of concern there around uh around Kamara moving forward um obviously the next running back that kind of topped that list in terms of rush attempts last week was David Montgomery but he obviously left that game injured um not expected to be back for probably a couple of weeks here on this one and um, so we'll we'll kind of glance over that but Sean in terms of running backs with expected points this past week um some some impressive uh names I guess at the top of that list and, and James Conner but the Arizona Cardinals both of the their guys standing out in this and going against a tough defense to run against um you know we talked about Chase Edmonds we talked about James Conner we probably don't need to talk about them all that much more the listeners are probably getting sick of us mentioning them at this point but anything that you want to to add in on, on those two guys well I think this is an interesting backfield right and one that is is still in flux we'll see how it develops when you consider how explosive Chase Edmonds was both as a rusher and a receiver in this game, it's a little bit surprising that he only had 12 carries. Connor had 18. It didn't necessarily feel like that to me as I watched the game. 
However, it, one of the things that we're seeing here the last couple of weeks is that Connor has gotten those extremely high value touches that, I mean, that was the reason for our interest in Connor, that and that his peripherals were a little bit better than his actual results. Now his peripherals are, are, are solid, they're decent, but you know, you, all you have to do is watch the game for a couple of plays to see just how big the gap in explosiveness is between those these two guys. We were kind of hoping this might be a situation where in addition to these extremely high value touches, Connor would just also get some other touches would kind of be in that Kenyon Drake type of role for the first three weeks. That really wasn't the case in week four, a little bit more. So now when you do punch in the two touchdowns and you catch a couple of passes, I mean, those couple of passes also really help in terms of padding the score a little bit there. So we want to also be cognizant of that, but when you have the 18 touches or the 18 carries, but you only average 2.8 yards per attempt, those other ones are just so low value to you that they don't matter as much. It's still nice to see those. I think this is a situation where it's not like the Cardinals don't know, right? The Edmonds is the more explosive guy, but as long as they're undefeated, as long as they're moving the ball so easily, as long as Kyler Murray can roll out and then scramble for first downs when they need to, then you're in a situation where, I mean, really the last thing this team wants is for Chase Edmonds to go down and not have him in the key situations in the middle of the season late in the season in the playoffs and so i think there'll be a, a matter of protecting him to an extent right because you've got to get someone who's that dynamic involved in the game but protecting him to an extent using connor i, I think that you know if you have a rondell moore you know if you're someone who is in a situation where you need to rely on aj green or christian kirk then you're hoping that they protect Edmonds a little bit simply by throwing some more passes, right? But uh, I, I think that we'll see more of this from Connor. And so we just need to see him get a little bit more comfortable, break some more tackles. He's he's given out a couple of vicious stiff arms so far this season. And even though the yards per carry very, very low, we know that some of that's going to be because of the short yardage. Now, we didn't give Kenyon Drake a huge break for the fact that a lot of his carries last season were short yardage, right? And so... You know, we're not trying to cover up for the fact that Connor doesn't look great compared to Edmonds. That, that's simply the case right now. We, we are hopeful that the offense is going to continue to be so dynamic that he does these kinds of things. Now, on the side for Edmonds, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting is just how explosive he is in terms of getting through the line. He's not going to average 10 yards per carry every game, and he's not going to average 7.4 yards per, before contact every week. But... When you have an offense like this, one of the things that I thought was interesting, both Edmonds and on the other side of the field, Errol Henderson, were fantastic before contact. And a lot of their carries are in first and second down situations still. So it's not like they're facing these you know, third and long types of defenses where you're getting a break because you're a space back who's not seeing these, these heavy fronts. Now, at the same time, we do know that the Cardinals and the Rams are challenging defenses horizontally. They're challenging them vertically. They have a lot of playmakers they have to contend with. So we know that they're not using the same types of fronts that Derrick Henry has to contend with, for example. But this is a case where you have backs with the skill set that really fits what the offense can do, which is give you some gaps, but then the running back still has to be dynamic enough to get through it. And so to see these two guys rank one and two in the NFL in yards before contact is something that I really like to see, right? That's that's crucial for them. And, you know, you hear a lot of uh, talk about block yardage, you know, giving credit to the offensive line. Yeah, the offensive line should get some credit, but all you have to do is go back and look at the offensive line rankings and the before and contact before and after contact results for Chiefs running backs sort of in the Jamal Charles era, 
when he's in there, the yards before contact for him are fantastic. And the, the blocking grades for the offensive line look great. When he's not in, when he's injured, then those numbers plummet and the offensive line grades go way down. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things that we see here is that the running backs make a big difference in terms of what those before contact numbers are. So we can't just slough that off and give it completely to the offensive line. Love to see what Edmonds did this last week. Love to see what Henderson did. It was encouraging that Henderson was able to do this when he is recovering a little bit from an injury, although it's not a leg injury. So again, it's, it's great to see that dynamism. It was a little bit surprising to see Henderson still in the game in garbage time when you consider that he's someone who's trying to get healthy. So I thought that was a little bit bizarre. But again, uh, <laughs> fantasy managers are not going to complain about those couple extra points. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Sean, I did touch on David Montgomery and the injury um, a few moments ago, but I guess I'd be remiss, you know, you had noted in the article here that he has had his fifth 100-yard game in his last 10 games. So, you know, he has been on quite a run. Part of that when we were suggesting to pick him up last year and we were at the start of a run where I joked about it last week, but we were talking about was this the time to pick him up again? You know, it was a buy-low opportunity. One of the pieces on the website had detailed that. With that in mind, it's going to give an opportunity to Damian Williams, who's coming in. Now, this show will come out after a lot of people have done their waivers for the week. But what's your thoughts on Williams now probably dropping a lot of leagues, probably already picked up in a lot of leagues, obviously, as the waivers have passed. But 
how are you feeling about Williams now over the next couple of weeks with maybe you know three to four weeks usage um, in that backfield? Well, you definitely have to roster someone who's going to get that kind of an opportunity, you know, if if you can, right? And he's also someone where if you didn't have the waiver priority or you didn't have the bidding dollars to go get him this week, I think it makes sense to do some sort of two for two trade where he's kind of the the secondary piece and you can cover up maybe your interest a little bit trying to go that direction. He's someone who wasn't that involved in weeks two and three. And then with how bad the offense was in week three and really how the organization seemed to be in turmoil he, he was somebody who you know that's not the piece you're going to keep for the end of your bench at that point but then as soon as fields comes back in and they have a little bit better game plan he's able to attack vertically he throws a beautiful deep pass he's got someone like darnell mooney who gets open so easily on some of those types of plays and then the offense looks good right now every team is going to look good against the Detroit Lions. And so we have to take this entire performance, both with the quarterback and with the running back, a little bit of a grain of salt. Most defenses are going to give you a lot more in the way of a hurdle to get over than they did. And so that comes into play. But Williams, somebody, if the offense is functional at all, should be good. I mean, he's arguably even a better receiver than Montgomery. He had a 38 evasion, 38% evasion rate in this one he's someone who has a little bit of that speed to make uh, big plays where montgomery we know is kind of the the thrasher the guy who has that marshawn lynch ability to toss the defenders to the side to shake off some tackles to keep fighting for the tough yards and occasionally it's going to result in a big play simply because you break so many tackles but he's not the big play back he doesn't have that kind of speed williams a little bit faster and so if he gets into the open he could make some of those types of plays you know it's tricky the backup will come in in some of these late game situations. They'll flash, they'll score a touchdown like Williams did. And all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, well, now I feel great about this. And then you go in the next week and the defense is ready. The offense doesn't look as good. The quarterback doesn't complete a few passes. And suddenly you're thinking, you know, I, I just wish I were invested in a better offense and a starting caliber player. And so that's one of the reasons too, where, I mean, again, we still want to have wide receivers in our flex positions. But yeah, I mean, he's a guy where if you can get him and you can plug him in for a few weeks, I think he'll score some points. Yeah, I think he's going to be interesting to watch. Somebody who has been fantastic to watch over those opening um, four weeks of the season, somebody we were talking about quite a bit in draft season, that's Kenneth Gainwell off the Philadelphia Eagles. He seems to have you know, slotted in perfectly and kind of seems to have a perfect understanding with hurt so far. Um, you know, some of the targets, it's not all just dump offs that he's getting, getting a lot of passing targets this past week, eight targets for him, six receptions, 56 yards off those, uh, you know, in terms of running back, the usage he's getting in the past game is, is pretty fantastic. He's now up to ninth in targets. Um, you know, I, I think he's, you know, looking fantastic. I've been, I, I don't know if the the script could have worked out better than it has as optimistic as I was of how it would work out in the early portion of the season I think his standalone value in that Eagles backfield now is is tremendous I think he's somebody who if you have him on rosters I think you have to be have to be ecstatic at this point yeah his ability in the passing game has really helped because this is going to be a team that is oriented in that direction they're not going to be a team that can really run the ball a lot because they don't they're not that efficient passing wise and you think to yourself well you know if you have a running back in miles sanders who has some burst and you need to get going and you're not a great passing team then like give him a chance get him going 
but it's actually the other way around where if you're a little bit weaker as a passing team and you need more plays in order to make sure you convert those drives, keep them going. And if you're a poor passing team, the last thing that you want is to be in a lot of third downs because you're not going to convert them all. And then you've got a punt and you look at this game with Kansas city and, and it's a situation where the more punts that you have, then the further and further you fall behind, right? We talked about this being a zero punt game. One of the things that happened in it was that the Chiefs were able to force some field goals, and those came on a couple of different situations after a penalty. I think early on, uh, they were going to go for it, had a pre-snap penalty, end up kicking a field goal. Later, they actually go for it, score a touchdown, and that gets called back because of an offensive pass interference. I think one of these pick types of plays Nick Sirianni not at all happy with the call on that one. It did change the game. It more or less put the Eagles out of it. But we saw them trying to go on fourth down. So they have the right idea. And anytime a team has the right idea, then you know, you're going to look at, well, who's going to benefit from that? And, and Gainwell, obviously, as the receiving back here, you mentioned that he's up to number nine overall in targets at the position. When you consider that he is early in his career as a rookie, where it's a month in, he's got a good back ahead of him in Miles Sanders, who can catch passes as well. The fact that he would already be to that point is very encouraging. Miles has almost a two to one opportunity advantage on him on the season, but Gainwell had the edge in this one, and it's looking more and more like he's going to have the edge on some of these sort of hurry up and garbage time drives. And the Eagles aren't a great team, and so they're going to have some of those. We know that you don't have the hurry up every single game you're not necessarily going to be the team that has the ball at the end of the first half i mean all of these types of situations where a guy will look good one week and then you play him and the next week you're like well you know none of those situations presented themselves so if you have a, a better option obviously you're going to still go in that direction but as we get closer to the buys as we're about to go through this stretch of time where you need as many good players as possible it's very encouraging that game will number one looks very talented and number two looks like a good fit for what this offense is going to do. And then number three, the fact that simply those are higher value touches, a lot of situations, including here, he scored a rushing touchdown after he had set it up with a nice receiving play. So if he's going to have a, some situations like he had in this game where he has that nine yard reception, he gets them a little bit closer. They go right back to him once they're inside the 10 yard line. Those things set up very nicely for Gainwell to be sort of this RB2 and RB2s at this point, especially if they weren't extremely expensive to you originally get very very valuable yeah i would agree and uh, looking at two other players i'm going to head on before we wrap up here and we haven't touched them a huge amount um in recent weeks but they were players that we talked about again in draft season um one of them being trey sermon obviously healthy scratch week one not a lot happening throughout the, the start of the season so far with the quarterback change that might actually be a, a positive for him but this week he did uh, get into the top 10 in terms of opportunities at the running back position. He finished with 19 opportunities. Unfortunately, that was 19 carries mm -hmm. in, in that particular um, scenario. No targets coming his way. What's your thoughts after four weeks on Sermon based on what we've seen? I know he's somebody we drafted in our main event team. He's on that roster. Um, is he somebody that we still think can have that kind of breakout as the season goes along or is the, the usage a concern um it feels like there's a little bit of a, a mistrust between him and the 49ers uh coach and staff in general but they still did give him 19 carries in this game yeah 19 carries right and so you can definitely live with that a good yard per carry average on it he has a little bit of a derrick henry type of feel to me and that you watch henry every week and you think to yourself okay well this is a small back 
in a in a big back's body. He's not great at really pressing the line of scrimmage. You know, if he's hit early on, everybody knows that if you can get into Henry, get into his legs before he gets going, he's actually not that difficult a guy to break down. If you get him high or you let him get going, then he's a monster. But you look at a lot of running backs and you think, well, that, I mean, that can't just be Derrick Henry, right? I mean, how does he get into the open so often into these situations where he's going against smaller guys where he's going against big guys, but with a load of steam. And it's the fact that Henry has fantastic vision and fantastic feet. And he makes the kinds of moves at the line of scrimmage to get into space that you would never expect for a back of that size. Now, Sermon doesn't have the long speed. He's probably not exactly the same type of guy. But the reason that is kind of popped out to me was that, I mean, he was like almost an automatic seven yards on first down. And then you go back in, you pull up the advanced stat explorer. It's a lot of fun to play with on a Tuesday afternoon. And you see that he hit the design gap 95% of the time. Now, I don't even know exactly how SIS is doing that charting, but it's kind of an interesting number to see. And it's definitely telling you that if it's a 95% hit the design gap, that he actually went through a gap and gained yards almost every single play, which if you watch the game is exactly what happened, right? And so there, you know, you contrast that with what, Elijah Mitchell and Jamichael Hasty have looked like in their opportunities where, you know, they're getting hit at the line. They're having to fight through guys at that point. Now it's easy again to say, well, probably in a lot of these cases, the blocking was just a little bit better for Sermon than for Mitchell, but you know, we're looking at this and when a guy's doing it over and over and over, it's impressive. And that kind of goes back to what we were hearing during training camp where he looked good. And then for whatever reason, things really turned around and they're, they develop some frustration with him. And Mitchell, the faster guy, the player who can probably create those you know, 50, 60-yard runs, the type of guy who can be a Raheem Mostert, where when he gets through, then maybe you get the full touchdown just in the one play. The 49ers could use a little bit of that because if you have to go you know, run by run down the field slowly with the quarterback situation they have right now, Garoppolo looked bad. The excuse they gave is that he was basically already hurt. And then Trey Lance comes in, does some cool stuff, but... I mean, it's obviously not ready to be a passer at the NFL level. And so now, you know, the 49ers, it, it was concerning to me for the teams that have, that have some Trey Lance that they came out so strongly and we were like, yeah, he's not ready. We don't plan to have him play this year. <laughs> uh, we think that, I mean, when you've like gone to that much work to send out the message that your quarterback isn't ready, well, you know, also when you watch those first seven passes and obviously you got the defensive breakdown, that allowed Debo to have the 76-yard touchdown. Even that one was a little shaky. It kind of reminded me of earlier in the day when Zach Wilson had uh, Ryan Griffin wide open for the walk-in touchdown in overtime uh, to seal that game. And, I mean, that arm got got pretty heavy. And that pass was, was underthrown. Griffin couldn't haul it in. Uh, he had multiple guys open for the touchdown on that play. They have to go for the field goal instead. Uh, fortunately for them, I mean, it's not great if you're a, a Tennessee Titans fan or if you needed those kicker points to put you over the hump. But it was cool to see the Titans still get that victory. Nice for the franchise, nice for Wilson. But, you know, the rookie quarterbacks still going through their growing pains. They looked a lot better in week four, sort of across the board. Mac Jones looked like a star against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, you know, you, you go back to this QB situation with the 49ers. One of the reasons that we like 49ers backs is that the offense has just been so explosive and you think about the fact that well now even the last couple of seasons when Garoppolo missed so much time and they had some pretty mediocre backups in there 
they were able to move the ball and score points. That's been a little bit less the situation this season. And so that dampens our enthusiasm, I think, for both Mitchell and for Sermon. At the same time, I love both guys. I mean, I was on board with bidding high for Mitchell. Really only got him on one team, but I'm excited for having him on that team. Uh, the dynasty teams I have with him, I'm still excited for that. But the teams where we drafted Sermon, I have some enthusiasm there. It, you know, when you have the 19 touches here, you could even lose some of those if they get some of the touches down in the red zone, if they don't have the situation where, you know, they muff a punt, they fall behind, you know, you get into a situation where you're going to have to throw a little bit more. All of those kinds of things contributed to a game that was actually very impressive for Sermon, but because the touches were also low value, even though he played so well, then you look at it and say, well, you know, this, this won't work for fantasy. I think it was a positive. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, I thought it was positive as well. You know, anytime you do get 19 touches, it's something that you can't really say is a negative. But, you know, the targets would be the, the part that I would like to see creep in. Um, like I said with Kamara earlier, I wouldn't mind dropping back a few of those rushes to get, you know, four or five targets and, and get a couple less rushes. But I think after weeks one, you know, I think we would have taken 19 targets and, or 19 rushes in, in week four after how that played out. So I, I always thought this backfield was going to put up a lot of points in terms of fantasy points there's gonna be better game scripts for them as well it's going to be tricky to know exactly who is putting up those points but i think sermon at the moment is in the prime position for it we'll see how that plays come forward last one sean before we wrap up we have thursday night football it is going to be the seahawks and the rams chris carson battling a bit of an injury alex collins with some nice plays in week four um you mentioned in the article obviously somebody should be rostered in all formats if Carson is out in Thursday night football obviously then he'd be startable in all formats but what's your thoughts on how that backfield is is split out if I do recall correctly I believe Collins was a, a late addition to the zero RB list prior to the season uh after uh, you know Rashad Penny just didn't get there yet again <laughs> yeah this is this has been a tricky one right I mean Collins did make the zero RB update and he was someone that we were drafting in the last round on those final drafts and then that looked you know pretty silly when the season starts and penny is the backup and then penny goes out and this is a sort of a three-way snap split between collins homer dj dallas and you're thinking okay well even if carson should get hurt at this point then it's a three-way split that is pretty low value a couple more weeks pass you have this game here where carson seems to be fairly healthy although because he played again late in the game, but now it sounds like there are some concerns about his health, and that's probably why Collins did get in in this game. But, I mean, you could see exactly why the beat writers were saying, okay, Alex Collins is back. And sort of in that article, I went through his travails. In the meantime, he actually had a series of unfortunate events that happened to him after he had that breakout three or four years ago. And to get back at this point, I mean, I think that's just a cool story. But when we've seen him healthy and in a good situation, he's been a solid NFL running back. Now, he's not going to be a star, but even though Chris Carson you know, can catch some passes, can break some tackles, I mean, Chris Carson isn't a star either. He is an above average starter. Any above average starter is obviously very valuable. But Collins flashed on some of the plays here something that this Seahawks offense needs, right? He had the big receiving play 
on his touchdown run, he shows off that ability to cut to get those 14 yards. I mean, Carson, a little bit more of a brawler. He's got decent speed. He can get through these guys. When he hits you, you know it, and he shakes off those tacklers. But Collins has that ability even at, as a similar size. I mean, Collins is not a small back, but he can make guys miss. And so that's something the Seahawks offense needs. The fact that he also is a receiving threat. And he kind of had, you know, you read the article about him, and, and it seems like he's actually trying to not just like answer a question for the writers, but kind of put in the coaches' minds, like, look, guys, I can I can catch. I'm a receiving back. You could use me in that role. You know, don't put in Homer, don't put in Dallas. You know, don't, don't try and use Penny. You know, if you need a guy to go in there and catch passes, I can do it. Well, we saw again in this game, I think there's a possibility that he emerges in a sort of a full committee as they try and keep Carson healthy. Even if Carson can go on Thursday night, can go, you know, in week six, I think the Collins has a role now. I mean, there have been conflicting reports on this from team sources saying, oh, no, no, I mean, Chris Carson is definitely still the guy. He's been good enough the last several years. I don't think that he, I mean, he's not in any danger of losing his starting position, but if Collins could force a timeshare, could get some of the receiving touches, you know, you're going to get some inside the 20 opportunities here. You're not going to score very many of them. That's, again, one of the reasons why this 14-yard touchdown run that he put up on Sunday was pretty impressive. I like Collins. I think that you have to try and get him on as many teams as you can now. We sort of sorted through that first month situation, and the first month put him in the position that we kind of thought or hoped that he would be in. You want to have him on as many rosters as you can over this next month to see what happens. I know on Alex Collins as well. Um, one of his... Uh claims to fame is that he uh, is a big fan of irish dancing so uh every time i see him you know get through or he's he, he likes to do the spin move quite a bit uh, I, I tend to get a chuckle out of that but each and every time he's got, got into the end zone that's his kind of celebration so i always thought that was quite interesting for an nfl running back to have that intrigue uh, and that interest as well so pretty cool but um that's going to get us towards the end of today's show we will be back on saturday with another edition we uh, are closing on episode 300. We are looking for those questions from the listeners, for myself and Sean. They can be non-football related, a bonus show coming your way. I've got a good few suggestions in for that already. Also still getting suggestions in for the three players for the intro music to the show. Keep sending them our way. I got a few uh, sarcastic suggestions as well that are players. We may mention them next week that uh, <laughs> I don't think they're they're going to make the list. But uh, as always, as we get ready to finish up, I want to let you know that you can get a 10% discount to a one-year Rotoviz subscription. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout or go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. You'll get access to all of the content, all of the tools, the piece we talked about today from Sean and the Zero RV. Uh, report you'll also get access to Blair's side of it and all the other information that's up on the website so once again that is rv radio 2021 at checkout 10 percent discount drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app as always we do appreciate that and at the end of the day i think the key is to let you know that to check out all of sean's good work up on rotoviz.com and if you are so inclined you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My name is Colin Kelly, and of course, Sean Siegel is the co-host here. Check out Stadium Bananas as well with himself and Ben Gretsch. And until we're back with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.